Tonight's reading is taken from Luke chapter 9, starting to read at verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside to find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke it to them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Thank you, Andy, very much. Jesus uh, proclaimed the kingdom of God and healed the sick. We saw that in Luke chapter 8. And then the apostles, the 12, did exactly the same. They proclaimed the kingdom of God and healed the sick. That's at the beginning of Luke chapter 9. And now in this next little bit of uh, Luke, Jesus creates. Yes, creates out of nothing bread and fish it wasn't just that he kind of expanded the, the bread and the fish to uh, to kind of make do he created more bread and fish and he feeds 5,000 well we're told men so women and children as well that's just the way they put things in those days but Jesus did something the apostles didn't ever replicate just who is this Jesus then Just who are we looking at tonight? Well, let's pray and ask God that he would teach us. Father, please, would you open our hearts to your words, open our minds, help us to understand this, Lord. Uh, It's a very familiar passage, I guess, to to some of us. And we pray, Lord, that uh, every single one of us would see new things in your word tonight and we would all be thrilled by what you show us for Jesus' sake. Amen. So we're thinking that question there, just who is this Jesus then? And uh, the, the 12 apostles, they've been off on a training exercise, or if you like, a dry run for their future ministry. Uh, they return, have a look at verse 10 there. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they'd done and... It can be pretty tiring. Christian ministry is uh, is often pretty tiring, and they need a bit of a rest and uh, and a retreat. Um, I don't know if you've come across this. Someone wrote this. Mary had a little lamb, was given her to keep, but then it joined a local church and died for lack of sleep. And sometimes uh, I know exactly what they feel like. 
And uh, but they're disciples, uh, the twelve, the apostles here. They need to have a rest. They really need to have a rest. And Jesus happens to know a really good little retreat center just around the lake over at Bethsaida there. Uh, they're going to be great. A few days off with Jesus, just what they need. But they were followed. So have a look at verse 11. And, uh, uh, but the crowds <clears throat> learned about what they were doing, learned about it, and followed them. Now, uh, the next bit wouldn't have been what I would have done. I think if I'd seen, you know, needing a rest, needing a break, and, uh, and then all these crowds are coming along, I think I'd have been uh, uh, getting a bit, oh, no, really. But uh, Jesus, what does he do? He welcomed them and did exactly what he'd been doing before. Spoke the kingdom of God, so spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and healed those who needed healing. That's what Jesus did. And uh, and then you look at the end of verse 12 here. Um, later, or look at the beginning of verse 12. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, "Send the crowd away." Uh, maybe they were feeling a bit grumpy as well. But send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because uh, we're in a remote place here. Or literally, it's we're in a desert place here. And that's really quite significant for what we're going to see in just uh, just a little bit. Um, and Jesus says, verse 13, and Wendy was quite right to emphasize it when she read it, you give them something to eat. It's as if that's really been underlined. No, you do it. You do it. And uh, we're going to see here that Jesus does this extraordinary creation of bread and fish, but he's doing it for the apostles, for the twelve so, uh, for instance, there's a real focus here. Uh, where it says disciples, he means the 12, okay? Not, not a slightly larger group, but he just means the 12 that we would call the apostles now. So, uh, and you can see that it's in verse 10 and 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 17. Every single verse there apart from verse 11. This is for them to see who, he, to see who Jesus is. This is something for them to understand and to see that what is going on here is something way beyond what they might be able to do because he is creating new fish and new bread. Uh, an extraordinary thing and quite extraordinary thing. It's, uh, um, it's interesting, isn't it? You never see the apostles or other Christians doing amazing things like these kind of, like these nature miracles, like creating Lots of bread and fish. Or for that matter, stilling storms or walking on water and so on. Um, it seems to be something there which is just Jesus wanting to say, look, I'm the creator here. I'm doing what God does here. I'm doing something really significant here. And I, it seems to me that this miracle is a fundamental thing because look at what happens next. Look at verses 18 to 20. Luke, and we're seeing there, Luke is saying, okay, Jesus done this extraordinary miracle that we're just about to dig into a little bit more. And then he says, so who do you think this was? And who's Jesus asking that question of? He's asking that question of the 12, of the apostles, those who were actually there in the front row of the stools when this happened. So first of all, what do we see? Well, it's simple, really, but fundamental. The creator. We see here the creator at work. Now, Jesus gives thanks here. Look at verse 16. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. It was probably the traditional Jewish blessing. So Jesus probably said... 
Blessed be you, O Lord our God, King of the world, who causes bread to come forth from the earth. And then Jesus gives the bread and the fish to the disciples, the 12 apostles, to distribute to the crowd. Now the implication is that the miracle happened at their hands as they were giving it out. Um, that's probably what happened. Um, actually, when, he's, when it says here, he gave them, uh, when in towards the end of verse 16, then he gave them to the disciples. Uh, that word is saying he gave and he gave and he gave. So it could be that they came back to Jesus. Either way, the apostles, the 12, were really in the front row of what was going on here. And I think it's quite striking at the end of this, uh, of this miracle, you don't get any crowd reaction. I mean, usually at the end of some miracle that Jesus does, you get the crowd reaction. It's like, you know, there's like the crowd noise when you're watching the football on the telly, or you can turn it off if you like. Well, here, it's as if it's been turned off. There is no crowd reaction. Because Jesus was, I mean, and probably the crowd didn't really quite get it, you know. Well, we know we had that stuff, and they seem to have produce tons of it from somewhere but the apostles the 12 they saw what was going on possibly at their hands possibly at jesus hands as he was giving it to them so who is this jesus then who is he creator the power to create new bread and fish and tons of it I mean, the baskets in verse 17, they're the kind of um, picnic baskets that we might have. Wicker baskets. Not the kind of huge Alibaba basket type things, but they were portable baskets. But there were still 12 of them. So it's pretty sure, aren't we, that actually there's more left over at the end than what they started with, let alone the feeding of the 5,000 men plus loads of men and women. Perhaps there were 10,000 people there. And everyone, beginning of verse 17, have eaten their fill creation going on Stephen Hawking in his brief history of time said this we now know that our galaxy is only one of some hundred thousand million that can be seen using modern telescopes each galaxy itself containing some hundred thousand million stars so is this on the shores of a little lake 200 something odd feet below sea level in ancient Palestine is this the creator of hundreds of thousands of billions of stars and if it is how should we respond yeah 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 I know that no no stop and pause and let this sink in He, Jesus, is bigger than anything, even the universe. And how do we respond? Well, it has to be worship, doesn't it? It has to be worship. And of course, this springtime is a great aid. If you're here in the church building, I can see from here the back door's open and I can just see the magnolia tree across the road there. It's possibly just past its prime, but it's brilliant, isn't it? And, uh, uh, or you get up on the downs. Uh, Anna and I were up on the downs, um, whenever it was, two, three weeks ago or something. And, uh, just on the bridal way we were on, a sheep had given birth to twins. 
and uh, they were probably 20 minutes old, I imagine, something like that. And on the same walk, we saw a, 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 it was a foal, wasn't it? Yeah, a foal had just been born, still in the sack and so on. You think, this is brilliant. Just on South Downs. Walk from here. What a great place to live. And, uh, and the new life that we see. And, uh, and how do you respond to that? It should be worship of our creator. Worship of our creator. Up on the downs or uh, whatever, however you're best enabled to do that on your own or with other people. And of course with God's people as we meet together. That's one reason why we meet together, isn't it? So, so we will worship from our hearts and we'll do it together as God's gathered people. I know we can't sing yet. and We love to sing. Um, but it's great to be here and to see people. And to be God's people gathered here together to give him the worth and to do it together corporately. You can't really do that as well at home. So I just want, I know we can't all meet together yet, of course, can we? And we're longing for that day when we can. But do come if you can. Do come if you can. And this worship being taken up with the majesty and the glory and the wonder of God and giving him his worth as a result and doing it together. Our worship of our creator. It's what we're, what we're born for. Don't neglect what we're born for. And how we will spend our eternity. <laughs> but there's a lot more here than just in inverted commas, worshipping Jesus, the creator. Uh, and here you might think, well, okay, that's the story. He was creating bread and that's it. No, there's more. There's actually more here. And the second thing is this, rescuer. Now, you may not think that this passage uh, is really about Jesus, our rescuer, but it does include this. I really believe that, include, that it includes this. Um, in East Malaysia, there's a, there's a serious mountain on the island of Borneo called Mount Kinabalu. And um, it's actually a reasonably straightforward, it's two days walk up to the top and so on. It's a relatively straightforward uh, walk, but it is high and it is cold, Ten th- above 10,000 feet. Uh, it's actually 13,435 feet high or 4,095 meters if you do things in meters. And uh, stories told of two, two students who attempted the, uh, the, the two-day climb. Relatively straightforward, a hut before the final ascent up to the summit and so on. Um, but high up in the pre-dawn mist, the two of them got separated somehow. And uh, uh, one made it down to uh, say that he'd lost his mate. But there was no sign of him. So the army mountain rescue folks went up and uh, they found the student cold, dehydrated, disorientated, but they got him down safely. But up in the top of the mountain, there are some really serious ravines. You may have seen it. It's been on the news a few times of people getting uh, uh, stuck down these or falling down them. And one of the mountain rescue people went down one of these ravines lost his life a successful rescue but at what cost and you know the feeding of the 5,000 reminds us first it reminds the 12 and through them it reminds us of a great rescue now at a very basic level we're talking here about a meal aren't we 
a rather large meal. Um, uh, but it is a meal, a banquet, a feeding. Someone said a foretaste of the heavenly banquet. But it does that by looking back. Because he's got a lot of people here in a remote desert place, the end of verse 12, and they're hungry. And they're also arranged in verse 14 there into these groups, which are actually exactly how Moses organized God's people into groups in the wilderness. So you've got a bunch of, a large group of people in a desert wilderness area, hungry, grouped into groups that were the same kind of groups that Moses did, and they're fed miraculously. And what does that remind you of? Well, way back in uh, the book of Exodus, in chapter 16, the Lord fed his people with manna in the wilderness. And Exodus chapter 16 happens just after the Passover and the crossing of the Red Sea, and of course that great rescue from Egypt. And then they're in that wilderness area being, being fed by the Lord for all those years before going into their promised land. And so uh, this feeding here is a reminder of the one that happened then. And the meaning of the one that happened then, way back in Exodus, is actually a picture of our own rescue, our own salvation, where the people, the blood of the lamb was on the doorposts, the side of the doors, and destroying angel uh, passed over uh, the people who had done that. A picture actually of Jesus, our own Passover lamb, and the rescue out of slavery. A picture of our rescue from slavery. And then that time in the wilderness between the rescue and the finishing of it, just like us now. And then their promised land, the parallel with our promised land in heaven. And we look back at this now and we see, well... There's an echo here, isn't there? What happened there in the book of Exodus and what happened here with the feeding of the 5,000 and actually what's happened to us and what we're looking forward to, our own rescue and what we're looking forward to as that's completed in heaven. And we think, well, Jesus is our rescuer. And actually what is happening here in the feeding of the 5,000 is a great picture and a great reminder of our own rescue and what Jesus has done for us. So have you ever come to your rescuer? Have you ever made a conscious decision to come to your rescuer? The one who's brought you out of a slavery to an old life and has brought you for a new life now and for all eternity in heaven. And have you ever come to that rescuer to make that commitment to him? Or maybe you've done it in pencil, but actually you're thinking... Actually, this is real, isn't it? This is extraordinary. I want to ink this in. I want to make it clear to Jesus that he's um, now not only my creator, but he's also my rescuer. And we could do that with a very simple and straightforward prayer. You can pray, Jesus, please today be my rescuer. Please be my rescuer. We might want to just ink it in because you're there, but you just want to make sure of that. Come to your rescuer. Worship your creator. Come to your rescuer. Um, and also, we've really already touched on this, but the third thing here is Jesus is the provider, isn't he? 
He is a provider. He is providing quite seriously here, isn't he? 5,000 men and the women and children, 10,000 people perhaps. It's an awful lot of food. It's an awful lot of food. It's tons of food. Um, Not as much as would have been needed, we reckon probably, for feeding the 2 to 3 million people from the people of Israel through their wilderness. It would have been about 1,500 tons of food a day, every day. And this is several thousand. So it's a lot smaller than that. A lot of bread and fish, though. Jesus, the provider. It's just a, just a, just a reminder, isn't it, of God's provision. And God does provide for us. Another little ditty I came across. It's this. Yesterday God helped me. Today he'll do the same. How long will this continue? Forever. Praise his name. And he provided for all these crowds of people coming out to that wilderness, that desert kind of place. And of course, he still provides today, does he not? That's why we say grace. He provides our food and water to breathe and the energy to walk into the building here, for instance. And he provides friends and shelter and clothing and so on. So many blessings from God from time to time. Don't you think it's just really good idea to pause and to remember all the good things that God has given to us? So often we take them for granted until they go wrong, don't we? You take your car for granted until it breaks down. You take your kettle for granted until it doesn't work anymore and you go out and buy a new one down the road or whatever. Um, you know, you take your roof for granted until there's a leak. We take our clothes for granted until the moths get your favorite jumper. You take your phone for granted, your computer for granted until they slow down. And God actually has provided all those things for us. Yes, of course, he may use Tesco's or Sainsbury's to do that. Or water from Southern Water or your boyfriend through a dating app. Or uh, uh, your TV via, well, these are LG, I think, aren't they? If, uh, if I if saw it earlier on, clearly. Um, or, or, you know, VW or whoever your car comes from and so on. But God provides, actually. He uses all these other routes, but God provides, actually, and ultimately. And it's good to acknowledge that, is it not? If you're watching at home, why not have a look around? Thank God for your TV. Thank God for the carpet. That your feet are on, probably, I guess. Uh, thank God for your laptop. Thank God for the couch you're sitting on. Thank God for the mug and the tea that's there and the kettle that works and heats up the water. Thank God for the coffee table that's down there and the broadband that's enabling this to happen. There's so many things. And we thank the Lord Jesus for all this provision. And um, why not tell him, actually, you depend on him? Day by day, we really do depend on him. And ultimately, he is the one we depend on for all the things that we receive in life that keep us alive, that keep our hearts beating second by second. We rely on him. We depend on him. So why don't we again pause and thank him and tell him, Lord, I do depend on you. And thank you so much for all these good things you've given us. Jesus, our provider, depend on. Tell him you depend on him and thank him for all he's given you. So just who is this Jesus then? Well, in this passage, you, I guess you would just simply, 
expect me to say, well, he is the creator because that's what he did here. And if someone is on this earth creating things, he is God here in the flesh amongst us. And what do you do? What is your relationship with God governed by? We worship him. We worship him. So we worship our creator and we want to come to our rescuer. Maybe afresh tonight. Maybe for the first time tonight. Maybe just inking that in that was done in pencil before. And we want to depend on our wonderful daily, hourly, minute by minute, second by second provider. So let's pray together now. Lord Jesus, thank you that you fed these 5,000, 10,000, whatever it was, people. Huge numbers with a packed lunch, effectively. And Lord, thank you that you did that by creating more. And we praise you that you are our God. And we pray you'd help us to worship you, to give you your worth every day and Lord thank you this passage points to the fact of you being our our rescuer and our provider the rescuer who we come to now and the provider who Lord we know we depend on you forgive us for where we just think we can do it all we know we can't we pray, Lord, you'd, you'd help us to consciously depend on you every day, every hour, every minute, every second, for your name's sake.